Welcome to the Life Point Louisville podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Sean McGill. For more information about this podcast and for other resources, visit lifepointlou.org. Today we're kicking off a brand new series called Built to Last, and it's about relationships, and it's just going to go two weeks, and then we're going to start uh, a two-week mini-series at the end of the month on depression called Out of the Cave. So I think it's going to be a great series to invite a friend to. Uh, why did my watch just talk to me? I'm so sorry, Siri. It's going to be a great series to invite somebody to. But let me give you kind of the thesis statement. If I were to have a thesis statement for the next two weeks, it would be this about relationships. And it's that great relationships are possible. Those of you that are in a relationship right now and you're like, this is never gonna get better. This is how all my relationships have always been. Great relationships are possible. However, they're not probable. They're not probable because of this. So often we build our relationships on the wrong principles and the wrong ideas. We build our relationships on the things of this world. See, there's two ways you can build your life, and I love that we did that tag a minute ago. You can build your life on the things of God, or you can build your life on the principles of this world. And so often, I think relationships rise and fall because we build our lives on the wrong things. We build our lives on the world's way of doing relationships. See, God has a way for us to live. God has a way for you to live your life. God has a way for you to lead your business. God has a way for you to parent. God has a way for you in your relationships. That may be new for some of you because the world has been trying to teach you their way of relationships since you've been born. It is all over television. It is all over pop culture. It is all over anything you read. This is the world's way of relationships. But there is another way. And I think it's when we look at God's way that great relationships become possible. But it's, it's not probable because the world is gonna fight against you and so you have to make a determination today. I'm gonna live my life God's way. Here's what Hebrews 12 says, and I love this scripture. It says, do not copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. You know, the world has some behaviors and customs. There is a way that seems right to man, but the Bible says it leads to what? It can lead to death. See, there is a set of patterns, there is a set of ideas, there are, uh, or is a set of customs that the world would say, this is the right way to lead your life. This is the right way to lead into your relationships. But it says, let God transform you. It says, so don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. This is not just about relationships, this is about your whole being. When you say yes to Christ, guess what God wants to do? He wants to transform you. He wants to make you into a new person. How? Well, one of the ways he does so is by changing the way you think. See, there is a way that the world thinks about things, and then there is a way that God thinks about things. And it says when you allow this process to happen, and really it's a process of, of what, you know, many of you guys grew up and, and heard the word sanctification, this, this way where we submit ourselves to God and we say, okay, God, I want you to transform me. I want you from the inside out to make me into a new person and to change my patterns and my behaviors and my thinking. Don't let me live my life thinking the way the world thinks, but let me live my life thinking the way you think. And here's the byproduct of allowing God to do that. It goes on to say this, when you allow God to change the way you think, if you go to the next part, it says this, then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. 
I would say this about your life. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect life for you. And I know that sounds kind of pie in the sky and birds chirping in the air. And, you know, every day is sunshine and blue, you know, the grass is always green kind of thing. But you have to know God has a good, pleasing, and perfect life for you. God, that doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. That doesn't mean life is going to be all roses. But God does want good for you. That alone may be enough for you to say, Selah, drop the mic, let's go home. That was a good word for me. I received that, that God does care about me, that God does want good for me. Any parents in the room? If you're like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Any parents in the room? There's, there's parents in the room and you would never say, I want bad for my kids. No, you want good for your kids. Now, you know that life isn't always gonna be fair and life isn't always gonna be easy, but that doesn't negate the fact that you do want good things for them. And so there is a world's way that leads to death, and then there is God's way that leads to everlasting life. It's a life of joy. It's a life of vibrancy. And when you learn to apply this into areas of your life, such as your relationships, guess what? You can build relationships on the principles of God that last. And so the title of this series is Built to Last because when it comes to your relationships, whether it's your marriage relationships, your dating relationships, your relationships with your friends, your family member, your spouse, your coworkers. I want you to have relationships that last. As we look out over the world, the world's way of relationships don't last. But God's way of relationships, I'm telling you people, can last. God wants lasting, thriving, lifelong relationships with you. And so I started thinking about, okay, well, well, what are the principles? We have these Lego things behind me, and I, I love this because we had this, you know, kind of idea about when you put Legos together and they, 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 you know, certain Lego pieces can kind of build on one another, and those Lego pieces, depending on what they are, can become very foundational in building what you want to build. And as I start thinking about the foundational pieces in our relationships that can help us build things that'll last forever and be strong, there are some things that God would say to us that if you can learn to make these bedrocks, if you can learn to understand these principles that I have for you, you can have relationships that last. And so while there's 20 things about relationships I could teach you on the next two weeks, I just wanna focus on two of them that I think could really help you when it comes to your relationships. And so if you're taking notes, you should write this down. And if you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down, okay? This is gonna be good stuff for you today, not because I'm saying it, because God's word is saying it. And so let me open up God's word for you today. Two things that I think you should build or focus when it comes to relationships. Number one is you gotta know how to conflict. If you are in a relationship, this is inevitable. Amen, all the married people. Amen. If you are in a dating relationship, this is inevitable. If you are a son or daughter, this is inevitable with your parents. If you are parents, this is inevitable with your kids. If you have a job and you have a boss, if you have friends, if you have coworkers, conflict will happen. So we've got to learn how to conflict well. We've got to learn God's way of handling conflict, not the world's way of handling conflict. The second thing that I wanna talk about next week is just communication. And so that's what I wanna cover the next two weeks. Today I wanna talk about conflict, and next week I wanna talk about communication because I think it's two things that the world has some very specific ideas that they want you to handle, conflict. The world wants you, when it comes to conflict, to grab some stones 
and throw them and say, it's my way or the highway. You're gonna get what's coming to you because I need to speak my mind. And so often when it comes to conflict, conflict with us is about grabbing stones, throwing them, letting ourselves be heard, and then moving on. And this is not the way to handle conflict. Conflict should not be we pick up stones and start throwing. But so often that's how we resolve things. Well, I'm gonna let them have it. I'm gonna let them know how I feel. And we grab a stone and we start throwing. And this has been happening for generations. Stone throwing has been a sign of conflict for a long time. You can look all the way back to the Bible days. Starts all the way back to David and Goliath. And there were two specific cultures that picked up this idea of stone throwing. And stone throwing has been very symbolic when it comes to these two nations and the conflict. There's one nation that their conflict has been symbolic by the act of throwing stones. You Google Israel and Palestine today, and you look at the Palestine people, and one of the symbolic things that they've done by an act of conflict is throw stones. And I'm not an expert, and this is not about the conflict between two nations. It's just a symbol that I want you to see when it comes to conflict. That, 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 that conflict often is a sign by us picking up the stone and beginning to throw. Even at a young age, it's a mark or a rite of passage for a six-year-old to grab a stone and begin throwing it at the other person as a sign of conflict. And I think for us, the sign of conflict so often is to pick up a stone. But today, if I were to title my message, when it comes to stones and it comes to the stones that we wanna throw at one another, it is time to drop the stones. It's time to take the stones, stop throwing them, and drop them. And I wanna tell you here in a minute what you can do with the stones, but the title today is just to drop the stones. Don't pick the stones up anymore. Why do we pick the stones up? Well, conflict is caused by so many different things. I think the first thing conflict can be caused by is just poor communication. That we communicate poorly and, and we say, you know, maybe very little, but then it turns into much. And what I found when it comes to communication, and we'll talk about this next week, is anytime there's a lack of communication or sometimes even an over-communication, people bridge the gap with mistrust. And so the communication we have and the communication that we learn to, to speak by or speak, speak with is very, very important. We can actually make things worse, how many of you know, by what we say. Anybody ever said something in the heat of a moment and you made the conflict worse? And communication, it matters. And so we get into conflict often because we, we communicate so poorly. And so I have a prayer for you that I, I want you to begin praying for yourself. And so when you look at this prayer, it's this in Psalms 141, verse number three. It says this, and this is a great prayer for you to begin praying. God, set a guard over my mouth. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Who sets the guard over your mouth? God, God set a guard over my mouth. When it comes to our communication, when it comes to the things that, that we say that can often guard or cause conflict, God set a guard over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. I love that idea, the door of my lips. Doors have a an hinge and hinges can be controlled. And so every response to conflict isn't I've gotta to go to the other person and speak my mind. No, no, God set a guard over my mouth. Set a guard over what I say. Set a guard over my communication. And watch my lips, oh God. 
Watch what I say. It's going to God first in conflict. I think if there was a big idea today when it comes to this message, it was we gotta take our conflict to God first. It's Lord, put a guard over my mouth. The second cause is this, I believe, and it's just unfulfilled expectations. You know, unfulfilled expectations is something that we all go through. It's something that we all struggle with, and it's mainly caused by the anger that can come out of most, I would say most anger actually begins here. Most things that we would get frustrated about or angry about happens right here, unfulfilled expectations. Somebody doesn't meet your needs. Somebody doesn't do what you want, and you get frustrated. Anybody ever been there? Well, she said she would. He said he would. And now he's got a list that's three years long. He's been saying he would fix that for years. Am I the only one? No. <laughs> right? Unfulfilled, unmet expectations. And he said, and she said, and they did. And the boss said this about the job and the raise. And here I am today. Unfulfilled expectations. They can cause so much conflict. Here's what James says. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you what? You don't get it. And so when we don't get what we want, often fights and quarrels, conflict happens. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And so when our expectations are unmet, we often meet you know, that, 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 that head on with conflict. It goes on to say you have not or you don't have what you want because you do not ask God. See, sometimes we're trying to get from others what only God can give us. I wonder how many expectations in your life have went unmet and you put all of this pressure on the person around you to fulfill that need and, and God's just saying, no, ask me. So often we expect things from other people that only God can give you. We expect perfection out of our spouse. We expect perfection out of our friendships. We want our friends to meet all of our needs. We want our friends to help fill our love tank. And we want our friends to help us not feel insecure. And our boss to give me the attaboy. And when we don't get the affirmation or we don't get the love that we want or we don't give what we feel like we deserve causes conflict in us because we don't get what we want. And God is saying, come to me first. There are some things that I want to give you that this world will never offer you. There are some things that I can speak into you and some hope that I can restore to you and a love tank that I can fill. And we want our spouse to fill our love tank. And yes, our spouse should fill our love tank. But there is a part of you that will never be fulfilled without Christ. And so you're looking for other people to fill it. And let me tell you, they will disappoint you. Because we are not perfect. And this third thing is this causes conflict. And it's just our glaring differences. We're different, everybody. Surprise. All of us are different. All of us were created different. We're unique. And those differences are things when you first get married, you celebrate. You think it's cute. Oh, I like it hot. She likes it cold. I'm a spender. She's a saver. Oh, that's so sweet when you don't do the dishes, right? And then those differences, what do they become? Frustrations. It started off as something you celebrate and you're like, you're different. I'm different. You complete me. Uh. It's funny, but it's true. 
You complete me, right? And then all of a sudden, the differences become frustrations, and then we pick up a stone. We're different. We're different. Let me tell you, we're in a dangerous place right now as a country. We're in a dangerous place right now because I feel like we're grabbing stones and we're attacking one another's differences. We got to drop the stones. We were never created to all be alike. If we were all the same, you wouldn't like me because you don't like yourself half the time. I'm not supposed to be like you, and you're not supposed to be like me, and not everybody is supposed to have the same way of thinking. In fact, this whole world or this whole government system that we have was founded on different thinking, different thinking that then comes together and becomes the United States of America. And this isn't a political thing. I'm just saying differences should be celebrated. But what is happening right now is we're in a dangerous place because we're picking up stones and we're criticizing people's differences. And as your pastor, I'm just saying we got to stop. We got to stop. We got to put the stones down. We gotta stop throwing stones at our friends. We gotta stop throwing stones at our neighbors. We've gotta start cast, stop casting stones on Facebook and Instagram. And yes, your way may be right. And yes, your way may be right. But can we just drop the stone, stop picking it up and throwing because we're different? Newsflash, God created you different. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Why does it matter? Mark chapter three, because a house divided cannot stand, we will never prosper, we will never move forward if we can't begin to honor one another. Can you have a different opinion and I honor you? Can my spouse think in a different way and I honor them and I cherish them and I love them? Can we learn to celebrate the differences that now have caused frustrations in our relationships? Can we get back to the point where we realize is that our differences make us a great team? Our differences make us great in relationship because it brings about, it brings about this like beautiful picture that, that all of us matter and all of us are important. And so our glaring differences can really create issues when it comes to our marriages and our friendships and our relationships. And I think this is why, because we all have a sin nature. I mean, this may be the biggest thing that causes conflict right here. It's just our sin nature. Did you know all of us are not perfect? And so when your spouse does something not perfect, let's not grab the stone because the minute you grab the stone, you might as well throw it at yourself because you have a sin nature as well. I promise this will help your marriage. This will help your friendships. Some of you guys, you have some, some issues with some relationships right now. There's relationships in your life you haven't talked in years. Maybe you haven't talked in months because somebody said something and you've been waiting on them and you've been waiting to speak your mind and to throw your stone. And I, I just wanna say I, I, that everyone has sinned. I love what Romans says. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. None of us are perfect. And so how do we deal with conflict? Well, we deal with conflict many different ways. We deal with conflict, you know, my way. My way's the right way. 
we deal with conflict your way. Your way is the right way. It's not my way. It must be your way. And so, you know, we deal with it that way. Or we say, we're just going to deal with it halfway. It's a little bit of your way and a little bit of my way. And somewhere along the way, that's the right answer. Or we can just say, no, we're going to deal with it God's way. And God's way is I drop the stone and I go to him first. No, 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 no. What about Matthew 18? You know, if you have conflict, go to the other person. Yes, that is part of it. But I want to challenge you today. Before you go to the other person about your conflict, would you go to him first? I wonder what it would look like in our, in our relationships and the health of our relationships if we would go to God first. You know what I've learned about conflict? Conflict cannot continue without your participation. Do you know if you choose to drop the stone, you can make a choice that it's over? Well, but they still, or she still, or he's still, that's okay. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. I choose for it to be done. And I know it's easier said than done because I know it can hurt. I know conflict is challenging. And I know it hurts when a friend says something that they should have never said. When a spouse does something that they should have never did. I'm not saying it's easy to drop the stone. In fact, it's very hard. But we've got to drop the stone. And one of the best ways to loosen the grip is to go to him first. And so when it comes to conflict, it's not, it's not them first. It's let me deal with me first by going to him first. And so let me give you four things. Four things when it comes to conflict, and I'll wrap it up in the next 10 minutes, that I, I would like you to pre-decide. See, we talk a lot uh, around here, we use this, this phrase, be a pre-decider, and you, you hear it sometimes when it comes to, to giving and other things, but it's this idea of making choices before a moment of how you're gonna live your life. See, this matters. Maybe you're in here, you're 16, and you've got a whole life in front of you. You know, it's really important to pre-decide what that life will look like one day. Maybe not your job, maybe not necessarily where you'll live, but to pre-decide the character in which you'll have, to pre-decide the morals in which you'll live by, to pre-describe, you know, to your actions. And I would say when it comes to, to conflict, there's some things that we can pre-decide to do. So I wanna give you four things to pre-decide to do when it comes to conflict. Number one is this. I want you to pre-decide to not put it off. To pre-decide not to put off conflict. To act, not react. See, so often when it comes to, to conflict, we wait for it to come and then we blow up when it does. We just react. We just spew out, you know, whatever frustrations inside of us, whatever angers inside of us, right? We just spew it out. Or we just, we just ignore it as a whole. How many of you guys have ever tried to ignore conflict? It really doesn't go away. You do have to deal with it. And I would say the, the tragedy in, in, in how we deal with conflict most of the time is we put it off too long. We let it fester up in us. I was 
you know, I, I've talked to people, and, and, and maybe, maybe you've heard conversations like this. You've talked to people, and you hear things arise, and they're like, you know, well, you did this, or you did this, and you're like, when? They're like, I don't know, six months ago. And well, why are you just telling me that? Because we're, we're prone to put things off. We're po- prone to wait and bottle things up instead of just going to the person and saying, hey, this is what's going on, this, this hurt, okay? And so, so I'm gonna challenge you, we need to go to God first, but when it does come to our interaction with people, we have to decide not to put it off. Here's what Ephesians says for about it. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Conflict can cause a little strife in us, right? It can cause a little frustrations in us, but the Bible says in your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for it gives the devil a foothold. It says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, as I think about, you know, my, my marriage, one of the things that my wife determined long ago is we weren't gonna let the sun go down on our anger. See, she's never made me angry, but I've made her angry a whole lot of times. <laughs> and she will tell you, she can be pretty frustrated at, with me at times because of my perfection as a spouse. <laughs> but we've decided that we will never let the sun go down on our anger, that we'll talk it out, we'll have the conversation. And you know what, it can be kind of difficult in the moment because it just feels like, why are we dealing with this right now? I don't wanna deal with it, I just wanna sleep on it, I'll talk to you tomorrow. But you gotta choose not to do that. You gotta choose to not go to bed angry because the minute you do, you start role playing in your mind and the devil starts speaking to you. Well, they always are like this. And of course they did this because that's how they are. And man, that happens in relationships too. Somebody says something at work. We don't handle it in the moment. And then weeks later, we blow up because of something we just, we just pushed under the rug. Conflict isn't meant to be pushed under the rug. It's meant to, to go to God and then talk it out with the people. And so I would say this when you do deal with conflict. Let me just give you a couple like quick things. Number one, don't call names. This is just for free. You can write them down, not write them up. Don't call names really bad, okay? Number two, never raise your voice. Also goes really sideways. Number three, never get historical. You're like, you mean hysterical. Some of you guys, you need to not get hysterical. No, historical. Well, you always and you never. Number three, or number four, sorry. Uh, Never threaten divorce. Just go to your home, go home to your dictionary, you know, that's sitting on your bookshelf. Just rip that out. It doesn't belong there. You said I do, you made a covenant, and just a term, we're gonna work it out. So be a pre-decider, you won't put off conflict. Number two, be a pre-decider that you'll focus on the good in others. You'll focus on the good in others. Philippians 4, 8 says this. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I wonder how much conflict could just be resolved if we looked at other people and we just focus on the good in them. I wonder how much conflict could be resolved in our marriages and our relationships if we'll just pre-decide that even though they did me wrong, even though I didn't like what just happened, I'm gonna focus on what is good. 
I'm gonna focus on what is honorable in them. I'm gonna focus on what is admirable about my spouse. I'm gonna focus on what is lovely. If not, the enemy's gonna want you to see the bad. Oh, it's so easy to see the bad in things. But it's an effort that you make. It's a decision that you make to predecide to see the good. It's way easier to see the negative, let me tell you. But I think when it comes to conflict, we can predecide to see the good in other people. To say, you know what? I'm not gonna let this take us down. The world's way is to focus on your bad and grab a stone. But God's way is to put the stone down, go to him and say, God, show me the good in others because I don't see it right now. In fact, I hate them right now, but show me the good in them. Show me what is true in them. Show me what is right in them. Show me what is admirable in them. Focus on the good in others. Number three, predecide to apply God's grace to others. See, isn't it true that we're so good at wanting grace? We're so good about saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, having a moment. We didn't mean to say that. It didn't come out like we wanted to. Just was having a bad day and wish that other people would give us some grace. Romans says this. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. We gotta predecide. We gotta predecide to be givers of grace. Givers of grace. To, to put the stone down and say, he that is without sin, you cast the first stone and recognize that God has shown much grace towards me. In fact, it's number four. Predecide to remember God's grace towards you. That God has shown so much grace towards me that I'll put the stone down and I'll show some grace to others because none of us are perfect. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes and it's not on the screen, but it says there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. Poetically, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't maybe understand the meaning of stones in scripture. And I was reading a passage in Genesis 31 and uh, this whole kind of story that plays out is a very Jerry Springer episode about relationships. Honestly, you'd have to, some of you guys are like, who's Jerry Springer? Um, don't Google it. <laughs> but it's this story of a guy named uh, Jacob and, and a desire uh, to marry a, a very beautiful woman. And a guy named Laban that has two daughters, an older daughter and a younger daughter. And... Um, Basically, he goes to Laban, Jacob, and says, hey, I'd like to marry uh, your, your younger daughter, and uh, she's very beautiful. 
He says, that's great. Just work for me for a few years and then she'll be yours. And nevertheless, on his honeymoon night, um, a switcheroo happens and uh, the other daughter comes in. Um, the father gives the other daughter, not the younger daughter. And then Jacob wakes up and he's like, what just happened here? That's another sermon in and of itself. And he goes to Laban, he's like, hey, you need to work, you know, another seven years and da-da-da-da-da. And it goes on, he works like 20 years for this guy. And just so much conflict, so much strife, so much between the two. And Jacob gets up, I'm just paraphrasing this whole story. You can go read it, Genesis 31, 30, 31, that whole kind of area there. And Jacob takes his wives and he leaves and Laban kind of follows after them and he's, they've got stones in their hands. I mean, there is a lot of conflict between the two of them and they have not made peace. I mean, they are ready to kind of, in some ways, kind of duke it out. And, 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 and it gets to a moment where, where they decide to settle this conflict and it's in verse number 30, or, or chapter number 31, verse number 46 and Jacob looks at his relatives and he says, gather the stones. Instead of throwing them or scattering them, gather them. So they took the stones and they piled them into a heap, okay, which was an altar. They piled them into an altar and they ate there by the heap. And Laban and Jacob, both at this altar, decided, okay, we'll let God be the decider from now on. Similar to this verse in Romans just a minute ago that we read where it said, don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. You know, I think, I think we need to get to the place in conflict sometimes where, where we drop the stones and we build an altar. We say, God, I'm putting them down. And it's yours to fix. It's yours to heal. If somebody has something coming to them, it's yours to bring it upon them. It's yours to make it right. But I am choosing not to participate. But I'm gonna drop the stones and I'm gonna build an altar. Y'all, you may be in here today with some conflict, with a stone in hand. You've been dying for me to preach Matthew 18. Let me go to him. And I want to challenge you before you go to him to go to God first. Before you go to people, go to God first. And don't go to people with stones in hand. But drop them. Get on your knees, build an altar. Say, God, I give you this conflict in my marriage. God, I give you this conflict between a friend and I build an altar unto you. God, I predecide in Jesus' name to see the good in them. I predecide to see what is honorable in them, what is lovely in them. God, I predecide no longer to throw stones. God, I predecide to drop it 
give it to you, not continue on this journey. And so God, when I go to this person, may you help me understand your grace towards me so I can extend grace towards them. Because God, as I receive your grace and realize that I have a sin nature too, that I've messed up too, that I'm not perfect, God, it'll help me understand or know that they don't have to be perfect either. So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes all across this room? Maybe you're in here today, and I think the word that God has for you, just the word that was laid on my heart, I just think it's to drop the stones. And so I want you to think about the stone that you've had in your hand ready to cast. Maybe everything's been great. But if there is a stone in your hand today, I want to encourage you to build an altar with it. Maybe the, the best thing you could do today is to give the hurt, give the pain, give the conflict to God. To just say, God, I give it to you. Can this be a moment of worship? And maybe for you today, this is a moment you've been far from God and you're ready to give your life to him. You don't need me to lead you in a prayer. You don't need me to ask you to raise your hand. But if you've been far from God and today you're ready to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what? I realize that I am the sinner. All has sinned and fallen short. Now the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short and the wages of those sin, sins are death. But God loved us so much that he took those wages on himself. Okay, so you didn't have to die. And he died in our place. And the Bible says when you receive that, when you understand that he died for you and for me, he took our sin and our shame. You call unto him. You believe that he died and he rose again. You shall be saved. That anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so maybe for you this moment of worship is a time to call on him, to say, God, I need you. I give you all of me for all of you. And so, Father, right now I just pray. God, for this room, that in the next few minutes, God, that this would be a holy moment, God. In the next few minutes, it would be a holy moment, God, where people that have stones in their hands, God, would drop the stones today, and they would determine to give them to you, to build an altar to you, and to go to you first. Today, conflict can end by giving it to you. And so in Jesus' name, God, would you heal hearts? Would you touch lives today? God, we thank you so much. And for all those that are making a decision today to serve you, God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, God, that they would serve you all the days of their lives, that today they would put a stake in the ground to say, God, I love you. I'm going to live for you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Hey, come on, church, let's worship.
Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Louisville podcast. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the good news of Jesus, you can give by visiting lifepointlou.org forward slash give or text LCLOU to 77977. Thanks so much. We hope you have an incredible week.